Hasn't it been a wonderful morning so far? Beautiful morning so far, real loving service so far. Great time to lift up those that are around the world who life is not easy. Life is not easy. We think we have it rough in New Zealand. The church thinks it's persecuted in New Zealand. It doesn't know what persecution is. Leaders, pastors who think they're persecuted don't have any idea what persecution looks like com- compared to churches going through the mill overseas. This uh, week, we said goodbye to Liggy, a beautiful lady who passed away at hospital surrounded by family and friends and her family came together and a lot of the Nuean community came together and we had the privilege and it was a great privilege to be able to host them here and uh, show them a bit of Afi, Lane Park style. And to uh, christen the cafe in such an endeavour as uh, to show love to people um, from uh, that don't meet with us on Sunday mornings. Uh, it was wonderful. Bruce led the ceremony and did a fantastic work with the family and they were tremendously grateful and felt loved as a result. Uh, so thank you, Bruce. And thank you to all of you who uh, did baking and came and set up and came and packed down and did catering and uh, did it with a smile did it with a, uh, a um, instinctive service mentality and, and uh, wearing Christ through it all. Thank you so much. It's such a, such a blessing to um, see that happen uh, regularly. It's a great opportunity to love others when things go wrong in their world, isn't it? It's, it's where we can really shine in the darkest parts. I want to speak today uh, about commanded to love. Commanded to love is my topic. And I just want to start with John 13, verse 34 and 35. And it says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples If you love one another. So by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I was sitting in a cafe yesterday um, and uh, Jenna was with me and then she had to sneak off for a few minutes, and I was sitting at my table, uh, 
drinking my mocha. And next door was this little girl. I think she was about three or four years old. Beautiful, cute little girl with her dad. They just walked in and she he sat her down and he walked up to the counter to get, get a coffee. And she just sat there. And as she glanced around just before he left, um, she looked at me and I gave her a smile. And she just looked back at me. And he got up and went and got a coffee and she just looked at me. And she looked at me and I looked away. And I looked back and she was looking at me. Have you ever seen that movie? Um, there's a bunch of movies, but, but one of them um, is the, uh, I think it's The Incredibles. Um, they've got the next door neighbor. And when anything happens with Mr. Incredible, there's this neighbor's kid on this trike. He comes along. I think he's got bubble gum, if I recall correctly. And he just looks at him. He's like, <laughs> just the whole time. Well, this kid just looked at me and stared at me, and I thought it was like the Mexican stare. And, and it made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable, the adult. I mean, this is a three- or four-year-old kid looking at me. She had this beautiful auburn kind of hair, and, and she was cute with bills on it. And I kept looking away because it's like, okay, it's like getting really weird now. But every time I look back... And so I didn't know what to do. So I pulled a couple of faces at her, like nice faces, not scary faces, but I smiled at her. You know, it's always weird. Um, She's probably looking, hey, look, someone let the monkey out, you know. Hey, look, there's a circus in town. There's a clown, you know. Uh, Well, I, I pull a face after. It must have been like two or three minutes, and she just stares at me the whole time, just eyeballs me. And suddenly she said, Dad! Ah! It just erupts in tears, and it and her dad looks around. And he says, "Oh, was someone making funny faces at you?" He, he, I don't know how he knew. He must have had eyes in the back of his head, but but he came and picked her up, and he took her to sit at another table, well away from me, <laughs> around the corner of the cafe. I was sitting there like, "Oh, this is really like this looks really bad," and yeah. But she knew that when she called out, she had a father that would come and rescue her that she could rely on and loved her. And he picked her up in his arms and he took her around the corner about 10 meters away from the crazy, crazy guy making faces at his kid. Uh, And he sat down and she just stayed snuggled up in his arms and uh, for the rest of that time that they were in the cafe, Uh, you know, um, one, one of the privileges that I've had this year has been able to help at Māori Bank School with the breakfast club on Thursday mornings. And I was um, talking to uh, the principal there um, on Thursday, and I was saying that I, I am often saying to people, your kids are so cute. I just feel like some of them, like especially the girls, I don't know what it is about guys, but some of the girls are just so cute. You just feel like picking them up and just taking them home and adopting them. They're so, so cute. And some of the boys, but I don't know. As a father, it's I just find girls just so cute. And some of them are just so adorable. Um, and you have some come in and, and they look like they come from hard lives and, you know, hard backgrounds and, and whatnot. And they're just so adorable that I just, the father heart in me just wants to cradle them up and take them home. I had a friend in the, in the police, uh, Tooney, and I, I've told the story before, but um, 
Mike Toon was one of my dear friends um, in the police. And uh, about three years ago, he laid down his life for his daughter. He drowned so that she could live. He had love for his child. God is love. The Bible says, 1 John 4 verse 7, um, once my eyes clear, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent his Son into the world that we should know him, uh, might know, uh, might live through him. Sorry, my eyes are a bit glary. Um, God laid down his son as a demonstration to us of how much he loved us. That is how much God loves you. That he gave Jesus his one and only son as a sacrifice to stand in our place and our need and our want so that we could have life so that we could be rescued so that we could live with God and Jesus went on to in Matthew 5 uh, chapter 40 uh, chapter 5 verse 43 he said you've you've heard the law that it says an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, or, or what they were saying was the, the punishment should fit the crime. But Jesus said, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who do wrong to you. He didn't say, if you feel like doing it, you might want to consider praying for your enemies. No, he said, he commanded us. That's why I've said love to command, are commanded to love. It's not, God's not asking us to love. He's commanding us to love, regardless of the situation. And as I watch things happening in society at the moment, uh, COVID and, and people getting upset and people getting angry and it's all Jacinda's fault that COVID's here and it's all the government's fault that's, that COVID's here and that, I think we're missing the point that we're actually all in this together. You see, it's not us versus the government, and it's not the government versus the church. It's the nation versus COVID. And I think we need to come back to that simplicity and realize that the government is doing their best. They're never going to get everything perfect. You're in the wrong planet if you think they are. It's just, it's impossible. They're on a hiding to nothing. Every time they do a media conference, the first thing they get is criticized. Why haven't you thought of this? Why haven't you thought of that? Why aren't you doing this? Why haven't you done that? It doesn't matter which way they go, they're going to get slammed. And that is what is in the headlines every time. Government's not doing this. Government's not doing that. Government said this, but they can't do it. Government's doing this. Can't, government can't do that. What we need to do is be gracious with one another and loving with one another. It doesn't matter if it's out in society dealing with our government or it's in this church dealing with each other. And I know we all, we all sit 
probably in different places and have different kind of gut instincts because we're all different. God created us that way. We have strengths and we have weaknesses and together we kind of cover each other's strengths and weaknesses and we drag each other along and we push each other along. And it's what I love about family. But what I know about family, it's not perfect. Anyone here from a perfect family? I don't see any hands up. I'm from a very imperfect family. Very imperfect. My uh, daughter, Caitlin, just started a new uh, kind of, she's studying to be a nurse and she got this casual job working at a medical centre in uh, Palmerston as a receptionist and, and she met her cousin by marriage who also works there. And when she met her, she said, your family are nuts. Like, like your uncles are nuts. Like, like my husband's, she said this to Caitlin, she said, my husband's the only sane one in our family. She hasn't met any of us yet. Like, she's a new wife and she, yeah, so we haven't had the pleasure yet. But families aren't perfect. I don't know if you've noticed. They got warts and wrinkles, and, but we all get along because we all make it work. We have our little tiffs and our spats, and, but we try and find a way to get on the same page. And that's what I think we need to do going forward here. I mean, we've now got the government talking about a traffic light system and, and uh, we'll, we're still working through that as elders, so relax, nothing's going to happen. We'll tell you about that once we're still figuring out what it all means and how we navigate it in a loving way because we want to love and honour you guys, regardless of who you are or what your opinion is. We want to be loving towards you. But what we need to do is have love, whatever course things take, we need to honour and love and show God's love to one another through that. And I think with that and a few laughs here and there and a bit of comedy, you know, if we're getting down, put on a comedy movie. It'll, it'll break the stress, I find. It really does. If things are getting down, a bit of black humour, you know. Uh, I found in the police, I'm not, um, I'm not lifting up black humour as as uh, something you necessarily want to go down, but but you know, a bit of humour is quite often great at breaking uh, tension and stress, and and nurses and and whatnot will know that at times, you know, black humour is is used uh, depending on scenarios and that. So Jesus talked about loving enemies, and he had a number of different enemies. But the people he criticized, although, although he didn't consider them enemies, they probably considered him an enemy. But what I, what I noticed he didn't do was criticize Rome, criticize Caesar. Now, it doesn't mean that he agreed with Rome or Caesar, or any of that stuff, but his battle was a kingdom of God issue. His battle, you know, when he said, I've come to set captives free, to cause the blind to see, to make the lame walk, 
Now, some, you know, I think he was speaking spiritually, and yes, he went on further because he did actually heal people, didn't he? There were lame people that walked. There were blind people that saw. There were deaf people that heard. So he definitely dealt with it in in the uh, physical. But I think he was really clear that his battle was a spiritual kingdom of God matter. And that was probably part of the disappointment at, at the time was the fact that, that you know, Israel thought or the Jews thought that, that this amazing Messiah that would come would be a leader of battle, that he would, he would lead them in rebellion against the Roman, uh, uh, Roman Empire and, and set them free because that's what had happened all through the Old Testament. God called on a person like, like um, Moses and he went to Pharaoh and he said, you know, let my people go. Um, and, and it happened. And they thought that Jesus would do this, but Jesus wasn't interested in government. Not earthly government. It's flawed. Isn't it? It's, it's man-made. God's ways, you know, God says, my ways are above man's ways. What Jesus was concerned about was restoration of our hearts, restorations of our mind, kingdom, spiritual restoration. And I think that's where we have to really keep our focus as believers that we come back and we keep, we don't get distracted. I was thinking about different ways of, of responding. Uh, you know, sometimes, have you ever been in, a, in a, an emergency or a situation where there's lots of panic and someone really panics. There's always a panicker. Every movie has them, don't they? You come to this, this situation, you know, where, where um, I was watching one the other day where the bad guy said, send this person, give this person over to me and I'll let you live. Uh, if you don't, I'll kill you all. And they're like, and there's always that one, isn't there? We gotta give them over. Or we, you know, we give them over and we all live. You know, I think Batman, one of the Batman movies had, had two ships, a scenario with two ships. And, and I think they were told, whichever one detonates the other one, you live, they die. And, they, and the Joker just left the time ticking. And there was, I remember there was, you know, there was one guy in particular, come on, we, they're bad people anyway. They're bad people. It doesn't matter. We live. Let's detonate them, you know. There's always people in scenarios that freak out. And today, in our scenario with COVID and what's happening in the world, there's people at different extremes freaking out in different ways. We need to be careful not to be drawn into freak-out mode. We need to keep realise that this is a spiritual battle that we need to be engaged in, and we need to actually... Trust. I would, I would say we need to trust our health professionals. But we need to keep our jobs as believers back on what is my job. My job is to love my neighbor. My job is to be kind to people around me. My, my job is to carry out what Jesus did to help people who are in prison be set free to help people who are blind see, to help people who are lame walk. Have we got people around us that are like that, that we can help? 
there's always people around us that, that spiritually speaking, have things in their lives going on that we can help with. So I've got a few thoughts. And these are just kind of tips, love tips around COVID and going forward and if we ever get to traffic light system and talk about that later on. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge with things like traffic light system and 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 I think the government's still got to figure out, you know, a lot of stuff before that. So there's time that we're not doing anything drastic now. Um, and we'll we'll update you guys as we go. But but these are tips on love which will get us through. Whatever we encounter, if we stay together and love, this will get us through. Number one, treat others as you would like to be treated. It doesn't matter if someone's had had the vaccine or not. Treat them like you would want to be treated. It's easy, eh? We just treat other people like, you know, I would want to be treated well. I'd like people to be nice to me. I hope, you know. I would like people to invite me for a coffee. I'd like people to invite me for dinner. What's for tea? You know, I had a family member... um, earlier this week, make a, a comment on Facebook, and uh, um, he, he uh, said there's, there's basically the, um, the pro-choice people, and then there's the sheep, and he, and he basically, uh, basically said, if, if you're not pro-choice, then you're just a sheep, and, and I was, well, I didn't know about it, it was um, someone else had a big rant and sent me a message about it. And I read it and I thought, oh, well, that's his opinion, you know. Um, There's an awful lot of sheep who are very, very intelligent people within that group. So we're, you know, it's it's just not true. But but that is not treating people how we want to be treated. Now, he's not a believer, so he's not bound by our rules. Um, But he's bound by some kind of rule. That's up to him, but he. But it's just not a nice way to treat other people. Um, number two, don't take offence. Choose not to take offence. Like when, like that. You know, I read that, and I and I could have got all ha about it, and got all upset, and you know, I'll personal message him, and I'll give him flipping what I think on that matter, and of course, me a flipping sheep. I'll, teach him who's a flipping sheep or cut his throat, you know? No, it's not helpful, you know? Um, choose not to take offense. We're better than that. We're better than that. We can dust that stuff off. You know, Jesus said, you know, when he sent his disciples out, he said, if people don't accept you into their house, shake the dust off, you know? You can keep your stinking dust, you know? Let it let it fall where it is, you know? Um, you don't get my blessing, Um Jesus was teaching them, like, don't carry that stuff. Just shake the dust off and walk away. Go somewhere else and, and they'll accept you. The third one is don't choose not to be an offense. So, so second one, choose not to take offense. Third one is choose not to be an offense. So I'm, so it's, I'm just not going to enter into arguments with people about stuff. Um, that doesn't mean I won't 
I won't talk to people in that, but I'm not I'm not just not gonna choose to offend people for the sake of it. Because it's just not worth it. Number four, choose not to throw stones at others. So I one thing I do, I'm really careful around my uh, my Facebook use and anything like that. I don't I despise when I see people having rants on Facebook. Um I think we've probably all seen them, haven't we? Someone's having a bad day and so they blow up at the world. And sometimes you read a rant and you're like, what, what's happened? Like, what's going on? It's like... And, and it's just like, I don't, you know? It's like something clearly has happened to them. We know that. But it doesn't help. All it does is unload. So choose not to throw stones at others. And... Even heading down the, uh, the thing of, of jokes, um, I had someone um, the other day joking um, about stuff and I thought, eh, that's a good way, just, you know, you just cross that line and wind me up and I throw a comment back at you and then you throw another one back and, and next minute, you know, you're starting to actually take, like get wound up and starting to, you know, it's just not worth it. Let it go, shake the dust off. Choose to live. This is the most important, probably lesson, uh, reflective lesson that I have used and continue to use more and more. And that is choose to live as Jesus lived. So in this whole COVID situation and how do we respond as a church and is it right to go and protest and have all these protests and yeah, we demand freedom, you can't lock us up. And, you know, all this response. I look at the Bible and I say, what did Jesus do when he encountered situations like this? Can I find some situations where he was uh, in kind of where there's parallels that I can kind of drag out and say, well, based on that, this can guide me. And I find that really helpful because it just helps me to keep my focus. Firstly, it makes me actually not respond before I've had time to actually engage this thing up here that sometimes is a muscle that that sometimes, you know, the older I get, the more I think I use it. But as young, you know, younger, you're more impulsive and you tend to just knee-jerk stuff. But as I get older, I tend to just not feel like I've got to wade into things, but actually ponder it. Uh, before I do something or say something. And it just gives me that time to breathe, time to think, and time to assess. Yeah, okay, it upset me, but is it worth responding to? Yeah, it might not have been ideal, but, but is it worth? Is it worth it? Paul was confronted with conflict in that in the Bible. I mean, the early church had lots of Lots of conflict going on. There were, there were arguments about this. There were people who were saying, you can't eat meat. You've got to worship on this day. You've you got, you got to do this and you've got to do that. And, and, and Paul brought it back to love every time when you look at it. And in 1 Corinthians 8, he said, Now I will write about meat that is sacrificed to idols, It is certainly true that we all have knowledge, as you say, but this knowledge only fills people with pride. 
It is love that builds the church to grow stronger. It is love. He's basically saying you can be really, really, really knowledgeable, but it just puffs us up. We get full of ourselves. But it's love that builds us up. It's love that builds others up. And I'm running out of time, but I mean, there's verse after verse where where Paul talks about issues and he brings it all back to love, to love. And so as we come to today as, as communion day, so as we come to communion day, you know, Jesus said, he said, if you're about to make a sacrifice to God and you remember that you have something against another person, you should leave that sacrifice and go away and sort it out and then come back and make the sacrifice with the right heart. So what I'm going to suggest is that, and one of the things I'm thinking going forward when we, as we start moving sort of further down, um, if, if issues, you know, if it becomes more and more challenging for us, we might look at doing communion more often and we might make this a measure that we, we, we come to the communion table and we assess ourselves against the standard that Jesus set. And then we take communion with a clear heart. It's the standard that I set myself as a police officer to not keep hatred or anger towards people that maybe had kicked me or... Um, spat at me or headbutted me or yelled at me or shot at, shot me or, and that was just in training, <laughs> you know. I always use communion. I came back to communion and I said, God, search my heart. Is it anyone that I'm angry with? Is it anyone that I'm not forgiving as a believer? And if God brought anyone up, and I can't, I honestly can't, because I kept it such a tight habit in my life, I can't remember ever having a Sunday where I said, there's that person and I really can't forgive him. I don't remember anyone that I had a struggle forgiving. It, it just became such a normal thing that I just, I will not carry offense. Yeah, sure. You know, they did something that really ticked me off at the time. I didn't, I didn't deserve that. But, it, but you know, I, I just learned to shake the dust off and walk away emotionally. Don't carry it. it it's, it's harmful to me to carry it. So as we take communion today and, and there's tables either side, Jesus took the wine and the bread. Band can come up. Thanks, guys. He took the wine and the bread and he said, take this in remembrance of me. And when I look at the life of Jesus, the one word that sums up to me about the life of Jesus is love, 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 love in action. Everything he did was about love. Everything he did was about laying his life down or a step on the journey to laying his life down for us, love. Repeatedly. So as we take communion this morning, how about you grab the emblems, come back to your seats, just consider what love is. Consider your heart. Consider how do you stand in the wake of all that's happening in the world today? Have you got anger towards our government? It's not worth it. Let it go. 
pray for them. They need your prayer, not your judgment. They need your prayer, not your judgment. They don't know what to do. They've never faced this in their life before. We need to pray for them. We need to honour them as God wants us to honour them. He set up the, the establishment of government. They're there because he allows it. If you read your Bible, he's there because he allows them to be there. We need to pray for them. I'll pray and we'll take communion together, eh? Father, I thank you, God, that you are a God of love. Your ways are better than ours. We in our flawed nature seek to get angry and get ha-ha and get all judgmental and that, but your ways are better than that. We are flawed and you are perfect. And we submit to your ways. We take communion this morning. We recognise Jesus. We remember Jesus. We remember the, the, the terrible price that he paid so we could be free. So we could stand here now and remember there is a better way than our way. There is a higher way than our way. And we, and we give into that way this morning. We choose you over us. We choose your ways over our ways. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the wine, what it symbolizes. We don't take it lightly. We take it with love. We love you because of it. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please. There's tables either side, take communion in your own time, come back to your seat and just take it quietly.